everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Maze Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Macente, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Our stop are the United States, with our special guest, Rita Lennon. Rita is a faculty and clinical research professional. With a robust background in clinical research and education, Rita is dedicated to fostering a dynamic learning environment for students while also making significant contributions to the field of healthcare research. Her expertise in clinical research methodologies, patient safety, data integrity, and her passion for teaching empower students to excel academically and professionally. Rita's commitment to excellence and her ability to bridge theory with real-world application make her an invaluable asset to both her students and her local community. Her education is in public health and healthcare education, providing a strong foundation for her dual roles in academia and research. I will discuss with Rita the methodologies, the approaches that she has with her students, as well as the trends that she sees after the pandemic in learning and development. Please enjoy our conversation and stay in touch. Rita, hello. How are you? Welcome to the Maze Podcast. Hello, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you, Rita, and I was looking forward to that interaction. So, Rita, uh, I have already shared your background and your experience with the audience, and the ethos of what you have been doing finds really the foundation on learning and development. Can you please share with us what does it mean, learning for you, the trends you see after the pandemic, and why is important nowadays keeping up to date with the happen with what happens around us. Yeah, so let me start by um, sharing my teaching philosophy with you because I think it really yeah. does set the foundation about yeah. um, you know why why I teach the way I do. Yeah. Um, so my my teaching philosophy is, and it continues to be, um, that I'd like to partner in learning with my students. I'm not going to try and stand up in a classroom or even in a uh, remote environment and just speak to my students or try to inoculate them with knowledge that no longer is an, you know, an effective manner of learning. Um, so I really try to partner with them and um, get them excited about the field that they've selected, you know, clinical research and help them identify ways to learn more and more effectively. Um, while they're in the program. Now, the COVID co pandemic, whew, that taught us that, you know, being nimble and flexible is essential. Um, you know, a, a great deal of us obviously started already, we're working remotely, but not all of us, especially those who maybe were in like the hospital or the clinical setting. So at least for those people, um, it really taught us that we needed to find new ways and, and new opportunities to communicate maybe with our patients, you know, how do we build rapport if we're meeting with them electronically and they're in pain and, and you know, how does that translate when we're talking to them? Can they see that we really do care or does it look like it's just really, um, you know, sterile when we're talking to them? But also, you know, we, we realize how important it is to have these conversations and effective conversations with our colleagues or those who are maybe in a hospital and we're not, uh, you know, like our um, physicians and our nurses and whatnot. So we try in the program to really teach 
um, students how to communicate effectively in all modalities, whether you're in person or, or remotely. Um, also, we learned, you know, those who of us who are teaching in this program, we've learned that a lot of our students have transferable skills. And if are you familiar, you may not be familiar with what a transferable skill is, but that's like the ability to um, use a variety of, of um, learned skills that you may have learned in a different uh, setting and how can they work for us in, in clinical research and in healthcare. And so what we have found is that many of our students don't realize that they have these skills um, or how to transfer these skills. So we really do try to find what skills they already have and then like pull them out to be effective in our industry. Um, let's see what else. So, you know, I, I also want to share, Marco, that um, it's although I have experience in both healthcare and clinical research, I, I rely heavily on my team of professionals um, they help me shape the curriculum for our student success. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that they're successful both in the program, but also once they graduate, you know, we want them to stay in the field and we want them to grow and learn and, and stay excited about our industry. Um, we know that burnout is, is, is a big problem in our, in our industry. So we want to make yeah. sure that those who are graduating want to stay for a long, long time. Yeah. And so, so finally... I, th I think one more thing I want to say is that, um, you know, the the professionals that we have on my team, they have like experiences in healthcare, clinical research, but also project management, budget yeah. and contract management, you know, data analysis. So lots of different skill sets that they're bringing and perspectives that they're bringing for our students to to grow and learn from. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, I was uh, really thinking about uh, what you were sharing with us, Rita. And uh, when I, I heard uh, a couple of words, uh, really, you were spotting uh, the light on really what matters, right? You talked about the partnership. Uh, you talked about the, the soft skills, the transferable skills, uh, you know, that you're trying to teach to your students. Uh, um, so, uh, and uh, I completely agree with you. Speaking about that, uh, in our industry, in our daily work, uh, we need to partner, right? Right, with our colleagues mm -hmm. so you're trying uh, I really see that you are trying uh, to teach them uh, the approach that uh, uh, will will future proof their success uh, when starting a career in other in other in our industry because uh, that's really what uh, uh, what uh, sets things apart right and what is able to set the premises uh, um, of a, an incredible career that someone uh, or that every one of us right can start in our industry um now if you need to focus a little bit uh, on the trends that you see um do you see that there is a big uh, a trust a, a drastic change uh, after the pandemic uh, what are the things that you see in 2023 and that you would like to share with us? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I would say that teaching students through the pandemic, um, yeah. you know, so 2020, 21 and, and into 2022, definitely students were more interested and focused on remote work. They wanted to go into the field working remotely. Yeah. And um, so we really were shifting gears and teaching students how to, you know, to get those skills, like I said, electronically and remotely. Um, now I'm seeing the trend is going back to more in-person. Um, so in 2024, in um, our fall semester, we met with a team of local uh, professionals and we call them our advisory committee. They're, they're professionals on all levels of clinical research um, who 
you know, they, they might work for sponsor CRO, but they also work in hospital or, or in a clinical facility. And they have said that, you know, even our remote monitoring visits, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, still necessary um, for risk-based monitoring, but we're, we're seeing more of a trend of going back into the hospital and clinical facility. And then of course, those who have worked in more of a patient-centered um, career are definitely going back into the field, you know, every single day, Monday through Friday, they're going to be at the hospital or clinical facility. So now we're going to have to shift back to getting students used to and comfortable working in person again and, and how, you know, how to work effectively in that way. So that's one of the trends I would say that I've seen more recently. Um, and, you know, in this program, we have students who come from two different um, categories, I would say. Those who may have worked in a healthcare setting and then those who have a degree but may not have worked in a healthcare setting. And so we have built two degrees um, for these two students. You know, those who might wanna be working more on the professional side or the business side, I should say, the business aspect, maybe project management or, or you know, as a CRA. And then those who are definitely wanting to work patient-centered and work in the clinical setting. So those are also two trends that I have noticed as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing, Rita. And uh, I completely agree with you. So we saw those trends also becoming real, right? Uh, especially yeah. after after the pandemic. Um, going back a little bit on the type of the students that you are able to meet um, in your program. So uh, you have a lot of students, we mentioned that, that want to enter into the industry or that want to change career uh, without or with the background. And uh, uh, they want to have the right knowledge, right, in order to make uh, this transition. Um, can you please uh, share with us uh, more about what you do in order to adapt and shape your approach uh, uh, when uh, meeting uh, those kind of students? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that we do is we meet with each student individually and kind of get an idea of what their goals are. Um, where do they see themselves going in this industry? Um, what do they already know about our industry? Because as you probably already know, it's not a very well-known um, aspect of healthcare or, you know, or research. So yeah. some students come to the program and they're like, they think it's a lab, you know, that they're going to be working in a lab or, or um, that it's not human research. And so it's good for us to have this conversation one-on-one -on -one with the stu each student to make sure that they really are aware of what this industry is and what they will be doing in this industry um, and make sure that it is something that they're, they're interested in doing. So that's our first approach is just to kind of get a key idea of like, you know, what, what do you know and, and what are you interested in? What are your goals? And then based on that conversation, we can then start shaping them to either go into the associate's degree, which, you know, the associate's degree is designed to uh, give them direct employment once they finish the program or once they finish the associate's or they could also transfer that to a four-year university and continue their education in an undergrad program. Um, but also, you know, if they are eligible for our post-degree certificate, those are the students who already have a bachelor's or higher, um, then to give them that that offer too, you know, that, I'm sorry, that category as well, um, and, you know, help them decide which one would make more sense. 
So for example, Marco, we have some students, very few students, but some students who don't have a healthcare background, you know, they haven't worked in a clinical setting. Um, they have a bachelor's, but their desire is to work with patients. Yeah. And so they, they might go into the post-degree certificate and finish that, which is completely online and it's a two semester program. But yeah. then they might also take additional courses that we offer to teach them those skills that they need to be more professional. I mean, more um, successful in a clinical setting. So like yeah. how to draw blood and, you know, like how to collect vital signs and, and interview patients and those types of things. Yeah. So, uh, Rita, what uh, you are sharing with us today is uh, is important because, uh, I mean, you are ensuring that there is an equity, right? There is an equality um, for people, for students that uh, even though they don't have the right background, they're able to get the access, right? And to pursue the career or that, that they want to or because maybe they are passionate about that or because they really find uh, the inspiration or the motivation not to pursue such a kind of career. So um, I really like the idea that in 2024 and beyond, uh, we are individuals and we can be treated right, uh, like individuals that have a potential and uh, finding people like you that uh, are uh, unleashing, unlocking our potential in order to let us be the future professional that we would like to be. I, f I find that this is amazing. What do you think? Would you agree with me? Well, thank you. Of course I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, because uh, we sometimes set up some limits, right? And we think that we are not be able um, to, to be successful because we miss some experience or we miss the right bachelor degree or the right degree. But actually, nothing is impossible, right? So in the right. in, in the virtual, in, in, in the future world that we have uh, ahead of us, uh, we, we, we are really um, put in the situation uh, in which we can pursue something if we really want to, right? The willingness mm -hmm. is really what drives things forward as well as the passion. Yeah, so it's incredible to see that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, it makes me so excited when I um, meet, you know, every time I meet a new student and, you know, learning about what they're interested in or, or why they, you know, why do they want to go into this program or this industry? It's always just so refreshing to hear there's so many different reasons. And yeah. that's what's the beauty of, of our industry is that, yeah, we come from so many. I mean, how many people have you met, Marco, in this field where you're like, oh, I just fell into this or I was doing this. And then I learned, you know, I got this job. And so I'm now I'm doing research. But that's the beauty of it. We need to embrace that is that yeah. we don't all come from the same sterile background we do all come from different yeah. experiences and backgrounds and we should celebrate that instead of you know yeah being embarrassed by it Exactly. And uh, I'm an example of that because I don't have a scientific background. I have a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree in economics and I, I pursue my master's in, in communication because I love communication. But uh, when I was a child, I wanted to become a doctor because my mother uh, is a nurse. So let's oh. say that uh, I had in my in my in my blood, right, uh, um, the passion for for the medicine. Uh, when I was a child, I wanted to become a doctor. But, you know, growing, you also learn more about what you desire, what you think, what you want. And I found mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that communication was really the foundation of what I really to pursue and uh, what I really to, uh, what I wanted to master and uh, yeah with a mixed kind of things I was ever uh, ultimately right to work in the pharma industry um, of course I'm not covering a super clinical role but at the same time I'm able to give my contribution to change patients life and uh, exactly. and I think that yeah this is uh, um, one of the most beautiful thing that uh, really uh, enable us uh, even uh, to be here making this episode together, Rita. So that's amazing. Yes. <laughs>
I oh, love it. So yeah. Um, Rita, so now we have pretty much spoken about uh, the major stakeholders, right, um, of, of, your, uh, of your work that are the students. But if we need to see uh, to our business, we need to uh, take into consideration that there are other stakeholders, right? So there are universities, there are companies. Um, our work is, uh, uh, is very complex because we live in a very complex uh, reality. Um, we know that university and companies should collaborate more to ensure a smooth transition to the students that want to enter to the job market. We may say that you are bringing a real revolution into the academic world, Rita. Um, which are, in, in your opinion, the strongest collaborations to be built in order to ensure that the students have the right perception of what goes next for them, Rita? That's a really great question because there's so many different ways mm -hmm. you can look at this question and, and answer it. And so I'm gonna do my very best to try and answer it um, yeah. holistically. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how I do. So, you know, one thing I would say is that at least in the United States still, um, we don't really consider clinical research professionals as a career. If you look at the U.S. Bureau of Statistics, it's not one of the careers that is listed. Um, mm -hmm. We still have, you know, on the clinical side, we still or medical side, we still have physicians and surgeons and nurses and radiology technologists and, and all of those different aspects in healthcare, we don't have clinical research professionals. And then if you look on the, you know, on the other side, like if you're looking in research management or something, we're not listed in there either. It's all social sciences or, or environmental sciences. Um, so I think one of the things that we could do is really advocate for ourselves to become a career or I'm sorry, to be recognized as, as a career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing I think is really important is to, to take a, a really deep review about what are the skills that are really necessary for each job and maybe standardize the terminology that we use. Um, you know, some of my colleagues still call us or call research coordinators, study coordinators. And I understand that that terminology is interchangeable, but when one is new and trying to find a job in the field, it, it makes it really hard if there's like several different um, ways that we are, you know, terming ourselves. So is it, are we study coordinators? Are we research coordinators? Can we all get behind levels like level, what a level one research coordinator does versus what a level three research coordinator does? In academia, I would say, is it really necessary to have a research nurse um, hired or could a research coordinator level one um, do that do that job? And I'm, not, I'm certainly not trying to take jobs away from any one person or, or um, experience, but sometimes they're setting the bar so high and it's not necessarily needed to be set so high. Um, if I need to explain that a little bit more, please let me know. I can I can go into that a little bit more. But I do. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up those two ideas, we yeah. need to advocate for ourselves to be considered, you know, be recognized as a career. Yeah. And then when we're posting for a new position, is it really necessary for them to have, you know, the five years of experience and this level of education? Could an associate's degree level or educated level um, professional do the job just what you know just as well do they really need to have five years of experience would one or two years of experience be sufficient for that first entry level position 
Yeah, so let's say that uh, what we are hoping uh, is a better clarity, right, uh, on the terminology yes. and on what uh, we need in our industry in order to ensure that there is the right match of between the students that would like to pursue a specific role uh, versus uh, the roles that uh, are out there and that, of course, uh, can be brought to our attention and that they can be pursued by the students themselves. So making sure that we have a better clarity in the terminology will ensure also that the students or a certain students, let's say, can match for, in, in, for the right role in the right time uh, in the right place, right? So let's say that this would happen Perfect. a lot. Is that correct? Yes, that's a perfect way to articulate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, Rita. Of course, uh, you are based in the United States, um, so you are bringing uh, your perspective, uh, uh, being uh, uh, on the other side of the ocean, if we see that I'm based in Italy. And it's so incredible because, of course, uh, we are able to share our perspectives uh, and uh, that's that's bringing uh, a lot of uh, fresh air, right, uh, of what is happening around us. Um, mm -hmm. I can say that also here in Europe, I mean, here in Europe, we have uh, specific roles, specific job descriptions, uh, but uh, I would say that uh, sometimes uh, I would say that I agree with you. Uh, we need uh, better clarity because sometimes there is a mismatch between uh, mm -hmm. what a person can pursue, the degree that the person has, and sometimes uh, what are the career opportunities that the role is also bringing um, in the future. Mm -hmm. So so if we are able to a little bit align such a kind of information, I feel that uh, the, 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 the people, the students uh, would, would have a better understanding and would get better oriented in what the market can, can, can bring to them. Yeah, I completely yes. agree with you. And um, now, Rita, we spoke about the students, we spoke about uh, your approaches, uh, your your philosophy. Um, focusing on you, uh, what is the 2024 bringing to you, Rita? Which are your projects? Yeah, that's a great question, too. There's a lot of uh, things that I would like to see uh, for this program, which are, you know, my project. So the first thing I would like to do is um, to see more students come into this field whether it come through my program or, or a similar program, you know, here in the United States at the associates level, we only have less than 10 programs in the entire country that um, offer an associate level degree for clinical research. Um, and we have something that's called middle skills. It's a gap that, you know, we have more people retiring or leaving the field than we have those coming into our field. And so we need to try and and um, shorten that gap. We need to try and get that gap to get less deep. Yeah. Uh, so one of my projects will be to advocate, you know, we're going to work on um, work with the Bureau of Statistics as we have been since 2014. So for 10 years and trying to get this profession recognized as a career. Also, one of my project projects is to um, get accredited. So we have our, you know, of course, the institution that I am affiliated with, which is Pima Community College in Tucson, Arizona. Um, it's accredited, you know, through the Higher Learning Commission, but we have the opportunity to become accredited with KHEP. Um, so this is um, for higher ed healthcare programs. And so I'm going to be working on that as well in 2024. So I'm very excited about that. 
Wow. I mean, good luck and congratulations. Uh, it's really inspiring to see, you know, what uh, what you are heading to, Rita. Um, so um, it has been a pleasure. And also I wanted to mention that, of course, uh, we are here thanks to um, a colleague that works with me uh, in uh, here uh, at, uh, at Senior Health because, uh, you know, networking is really uh, the future of our profession and also the bridges that we are able to 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 build uh, are incredible. Thanks to 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 the world, thanks to the partnership, uh, as uh, we mentioned uh, in our mm -hmm. uh, in our first uh, um, question and that you addressed very well. So, Crystal Crystal Robles is one of uh, the colleagues that uh, worked uh, with me uh, here at Seniors, and she was able to um, to to let us connect because she was part of also of your journey, uh, and uh, it's incredible to see how many people can witness right the success of uh, um, a learning program and uh, how further a learning program um, can uh, can 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 let you be and they can let you uh, go right uh, speaking about uh, a destination uh, what matters sometimes is not the destination but is the journey rita i always say that and uh, yeah. You being uh, the person that uh, um, has uh, the opportunity to match uh, and to cross a lot of journeys, uh, I'm sure that you would agree with me, right, from a student's perspective. Yeah, it's so wonderful. So, you know, I've known Crystal now for many years. And if if I have a moment to share a little story about her, I, I would love to do so. Yeah, of course, okay. of course. Real quick, <laughs> I promise. Uh, so Crystal came in, she was a research coordinator already when she came into the program and yeah. so on our very first day of class she raised her hand and she said well you know I'm already a research coordinator so do I really need to take this program and I said you know just give me the opportunity to you know stay in the at least this class and see if you learn something and she came out of the program two years later and she um, always loves to tell the story about how much she learned and grew yeah. just because, you know, she got to collaborate with others in the, in the program. And I think that that's important for all of us to know that we don't know everything <laughs> and we yeah. always are, we always have the opportunity to learn from one another. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Crystal's an inspiration to me because of all of the main, many things that she has been able to do through her career and learn. It's just amazing. It's so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can buy for that because, of course, I was able to catch up with Crystal even in person. Uh, we made some posts in LinkedIn. And I will post also an article that you both wrote, right? You were part of the, an article that was written. I will post uh, this article in the description of the episode so the audience will be able to get to the to the link and read the article to deep dive a little bit into the information um, about you and Crystal and the program. Um, great. Thank you. So, Rita, it has been a pleasure to speak to you, actually. Uh, this episode uh, uh, is, is amazing. We were able to touch amazing topics. I'm sure that uh, the audience will treasure this episode as I will. And uh, yeah, um, I cannot wait to speak to you again. I wish you all the best. And of course, uh, uh, stay in touch because, you know, our world is very small. Wonderful. Marco, so nice to speak with you, too. And this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.